0: 10 things about money and salary in Singapore that you may not know of. There's a reason why today's podcast is important for you, because salary is the first input to your entire finance equation. If you nail that correctly, you give yourself a head start. But on the other hand, salary is not everything. Having more salary does not necessarily mean you get to financial freedom faster. And having more salary does not mean that you'll be a happier person. So what salary should be is something that is openly discussed and clearly understood. Without further ado, let's start with the first one, which is there is a jump in salary for degree holders. You may already know this, but the median starting income for degree holders is 4200 diploma holders 2600 The surprising part to me is secondary and IT graduates actually draw the same starting salary. I guess it's because there is a lot of entry level jobs taken or jobs in the gig economy. But what I want to show you next is this, especially for ages 30 and above, There are big jumps for degree holders in terms of salary. You would realize that for someone in 30 to 34, the median income for degree holder becomes 6,000 versus 3,750 for diploma holders. And by the age of 45 to 49, it becomes 9,667 versus 4,704. The difference now is more than twice. So there's some truth to this agent saying qualifications are very important. And against what some would say, a degree is still a good investment. Number two, almost half the people in 20s and 30s have a side hustle. This shouldn't come too much as a surprise because when you're younger, you have more time, you have more energy. But I was surprised to see 48% of people in their 20s having a side hustle. That is almost half already. And as we can guess, tutoring is quite possibly the highest paying side hustle. If not, you'll be in sales, whether it's financial advisory or in real estate sales. Because when it comes to doing sales, Your qualification and age doesn't matter that much. It's your ability to transact deals. And this connects to the previous point. If you happen to be in a situation without a degree, quite possibly starting a business or going to sales is still a good way to derive better income. Sometimes a side hustle can help you germinate interest and test whether you have an affinity with that industry or that sector or not. And if it does take off, maybe you're better off going into it. Number three, the median income for women in 20s is higher than men. From the ages of 20 to 24, women draw $3,042 versus men's $2,788. That difference still exists from the ages of 25 to 29. I guess women go into workforce earlier and they see promotions earlier. Guys, especially Singaporeans, have to do national service. But hey, today is not a rant about whether we should do national service or not. Today is about discussing income and understanding the world. And that leads to the fourth point. One quarter of women still earn more than their husbands. In fact, there are some women who out earn their partners by a big, big margin. I've actually picked up this case on my other channel, the Josh Chan Show. You can check it out also. It was a lady asking a question about her boyfriend who was earning significantly less than her. It seems they are not married yet. Of course, on the Internet, there are a lot who voice concerns, especially they are at a phase whereby they have not gotten married yet. What about this, which is from Straits Times? Financial Services Director Miss Lim actually out earns her husband by three to four times. But he is not bothered by the gap pay between them. Miss Lim is a veteran in my financial services industry. I know her. And the reason I know her is because she has won a lot of accolades, performing very well, and of course, she's delivered a lot of value to her own clients. That's why it's important to spread the message. If your other half earns a lot, be proud of it. Sometimes society has certain stigmas, especially in Asian society. But wives who can bring in more income for a family, that's still definitely valuable resources to bring up children. And as always, if you agree with the message, Help me smash the like button, especially because we have taken hours to prepare this presentation for you to share a few more perspectives about income in Singapore. And after you smash the like, I have some hard truths on trends to share with you next. This trend of wives earning more than husbands has been climbing across the years. Right now, it stands at 27.5% already. If we project this to 2030, I believe this will easily be 30%. That's why part of my goal is to remove away that stigma and talk about subjects of income that are very sticky. That leads to point number five, which is a finding. Husbands with median income tend to have wives who earn less, but wives with median income tend to have husbands who earn the same. Take a look at the summary table over here. It shows that if Brian is in median income, there is a 49.8% chance that his wife is below median income. On the other hand, if Clara is in median income, there is a higher probability that her husband earns above median income. If we dive on to real data points, we will realize that Brian, if he's earning four to five thousand and five to six thousand, the highest probability of his wife's income is in the three to four thousand range. On the other hand, if Clara is earning four to five thousand and five to six thousand, these being the two nearest to median income, it is most likely that her husband is in the same income bracket. Again, this is a generalization of findings. Please don't get offended because the next one may also be a shocker to you, which is point number six. Husbands of high income women tend to be high income men. If we define high income as more than fifteen thousand dollars a month, that ratio of her partner being a high income man is forty nine point one percent. In my experience, I guess many of them have met in school days, university days. Some have gotten to know each other later in stages where they are both high flyers. And that's a reason why there are some families with a big household income, both are actually strong income earners. And I think it also makes some sense. Women who are doing well financially can point in a strong income, are clearly independent and are looking for something in their other half. Again, this is a generalization. Let's move on to understanding for high income what could happen. This is point number seven. Some high income earners still have financial stress. A lot of times we imagine if we have more income, all our financial rates will go away, but that's not necessarily true in OCBC's wellness index for 2022. It is discovered that 38% of those earning $10,000 and more a month have unsecured debt, whether they are good debt or bad debt used in credit card. I'm not too sure about it, but it still suggests that some of them are trapped in the debt cycle. In addition, if we add on certain findings on mortgage, we would realize that in private property segment, which we associate with higher income, 5% of them may be forced to downgrade from their private properties and 12%, which is in the orange shaded area, are about to miss their mortgage due to financial constraints. So again, it's how much you save, not only how much you earn. Point number eight, singles in general are less on track financially. If we see again from OCBC's Wellness Index, we would realize in comparison, 62% of singles have their own investments and only 46% have regular passive income. This leads to the next topic on retirement plans. Only 21% of singles are on track versus 31% who are married. You know, the usual assumption is singles, there are less liabilities, there's no children and stuff. It's much easier to save and build up passive income for early retirement. But this finding clearly suggests that there is still a proportion of singles who are YOLOing, you only live once, and are clearly not saving well. So this is a point to take note of. If you're single and you're not saving well, maybe it's a good wake up call to start saving for retirement. You're not alone, but start that progress as of today. This leads to point number nine, which is Singaporeans save about 30% of their income. Surprisingly, for those who are in their 20s drawing lower income, are able to save 35% of their income. Maybe they have no liabilities. They don't have children. They don't have mortgage. And this figure actually starts to drop. For someone who is in their 40s to 54, the savings ratio is actually the lowest at 28%. But all in all, Savings average is about 30%. So look at it and reflect. If you are above that, then congratulations, you are likely saving well. I tried to cross check on this number because OCBC Wellness Survey is only a small proportion. I saw other national numbers and that figure is even higher at 37.6% savings rate. It's not easy to understand the definition of this personal disposable income, but let's take it with a pinch of salt. If we are saving 30 to 37.6%, then it's pretty average. And if you are saving above, Congratulations, if you are saving below, maybe it's time to step it up. That would be my advice, and that leads to point number ten. Advice actually helps. I understand when you seek advice, you are going to pay a fee like what I do in my financial services, or you are concerned whether you'll be up for sales pitch or not. But from the findings from OCBC Wellness Survey, it's discovered that those who take advice only from other sources such as family and friends, such as YouTube, which I'm presenting to you right now, as well as social media, the average investment index is only at 51 versus those who take advice at 62. Why is that so? I'd like to throw a hypothesis. When advice is dished up, proper advice, of course, usually there is a lot of prudency on how to approach. In social media, what usually circulates or get a lot of views and hits that go viral are the extreme ideas all into this stock. I buy this stock. I take this margin. I made this amount of money. I made this amount of percentage. Those usually get the hits, but such advice can be detrimental. That's why in my practice, I advocate law lot of prudency. The projections I make are usually very conservative. Investment is just a goal to get to your financial freedom and retirement. And as always, if you're looking for proper advice, look from links below. I actually perform financial advisory work on a fee base. And with that, hopefully I can help you in your journey. And this whole discussion about income is just the first funnel because smash on subscribe. In a subsequent video, I'll be sharing you more findings on the income that are away from this top 10 that captures some global trends. Stay tuned if you're curious. Click on the follow, help us rate five stars, and I'll see you in the next podcast.